Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, in today's episode, I'm super excited to announce that we're going to be joined by one of the more underrated linebackers in the class of 2023 and a recent Texas A&M commit, Torian York. Torian, thank you for coming on today, my guy. I'm super excited to have you on and, you know, learn a little bit more about you. No doubt. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you, Mason. Hey, absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, Torian, before we do start talking about, you know, you ultimately deciding to, you know, shift your commitment from Baylor to A&M, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, how you got into football, why you got into football, you know, just some of the little details about yourself. Uh, man, I'm from Temple, Texas, man. I was born and raised here. I've been here all seven years of my life, you know. Uh, I'm actually a young senior, so, like, when I complete spring ball, complete, uh, complete my first semester of uh, college ball here from January to May, you know, I'm still going to be 17. I don't turn 17 until June, you know, so – uh Really, I'm supposed to be in 2024, but I think that just adds more fuel to the fire. You know, I'm younger than mostly everybody that I go against, you know, but I wouldn't want it any other way, man. I just continue to work hard, and I just appreciate that God put me in this position for sure. Hey, man, I love to hear that, Torian, seriously. And that's cool, though. I didn't even realize, you know, you're a young cat, right? Like, even by the time spring ball's done with, you're still going to be 17 years old, and you've already get, you know, you've already got the attention from a lot of programs. And, um, you know, also, too, I want to ask you, because, you know, playing at Temple, y'all have a rich tradition of producing a lot of talented guys. You know, most recently, you got uh, Quentin Johnson over at my school, TCU. So, mm-hmm. you know, for you, you know, playing at a program like Temple, you know, it may not be the biggest town because I'm also from a small town, too. But, you know, not playing at the biggest town and everything like that, you kind of feel like that also kinds of kind of uh, adds a little bit of a fuel to the fire, knowing that, you know, you're playing small town football and it just means a little bit more than some of the bigger programs, you know, in high school football. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, everybody that we play with, everybody that I played with over my past four years, you know, everybody was born and raised in Temple. We didn't have, uh, a, we didn't have really any good move-ins, you know, a lot of the move-ins that we had didn't pan out, you know, we didn't go out and recruit nobody. They came to Temple because they wanted to come to Temple, you know, and so we, we play with who we have, you know, we don't reach out to guys that we see uh, that are unhappy at their high school. Like, no, we play with people who are who are born on the east and south side of Temple. You know, like, we were born and bred here, you know, so we want to play for Temple. And just growing up, uh, especially people my age and around my age, you know, 2014 went to state, lost to Alito. In 2016, we uh, went to state and lost to Highland Park. You know, so whenever we were growing up, Temple was in their prime as far as, you know, uh, the new generation because we won state back in 79 and 92. But that's that was way back when, you know, the um, – the impact that they had on the kids growing up in 2014, 2016 is a really uh, judge us all together and wanted us to play for Temple. Hey, I got you. I love the fact that you know the history of your program, too, because a lot of guys would not know that. I mean, obviously, for, you know, so, like, you know, so, it's kind of a thing that most of the smaller schools, you know, a lot of their kids know about the history. So it's cool that, you know, you know, the dates of state championships and everything like that. So, so, Torian, let me ask you, you know, when you first started playing football, you know, what age were you? I was six. I was six. I'm sorry. I was six. Yeah, my dad was a coach, so I had no choice but to play. Oh, I got you. I got you. So now let me ask you, though, because I, I always get a different answer because I've had a lot of big boys, you know, talking six foot six, 300 pounds. Tell me they were quarterbacks to start playing football. So for you, you know, what was your first position that you played when you first started uh, putting the pads on? Well, I, I was a mix between fullback and running back. And then I played defensive end on defense. I got you. I got you. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. So, um, so when did you actually kind of make the transition over to the defensive side of the football, if you remember? I would say my freshman year, I was more of a running back in middle school. I played linebacker, of course, but uh, going into my ninth grade year, they had graduated 10 out of the 11 guys on starting defense in 2018. So coming in 2019, my freshman year, we had to replace 10 different guys on, um, on defense for starters. And the guys that they had at linebacker weren't cutting it. They weren't working hard. You know, they just didn't get it. 
Well, they're like, well, Torin, we, we, we see that you've been up here a lot. You were a ball boy. This and that. You've been in the program. You know how things are run. He's like, we want to pull you up. Are you okay with that? Like, we could talk to your parents. And I was like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm cool with it, but still talk to my parents. So I think that was, that was really when I shifted to straight linebacker was a uh, ninth grade year. I got you. I got you. Now, let me ask you, you know, because it's a big change going from, you know, running the rock, you know, getting hit to now you're on the opposite side. You know, you're delivering the hits. You know, what were some of the initial, you know, initial struggles that you had, you know, transitioning from running back to linebacker? Um, well, for one, my freshman year, since we had so much new personnel, they felt that a 3-4 would be better for us. So entering the year, we were in a 3-4, but all throughout my time in the Temple and all throughout uh, my middle school years, uh, we ran a 4-2-5. But halfway during the year of my ninth grade year, uh, we went back to the 4 5 because we're like, we just can't, you can't go to a 3-4. Like, when you've been a 4 5 for so long, you can't switch down to a 3-4 front and think everything's going to be okay, you know. So we went back to the 4 5 and I'm glad we did that. But also just pad level in general, you know, whenever in, in middle school I was way bigger, taller, stronger than everybody else, so I could tackle them however I wanted to. Like, I, I never, ever, I don't think I ever tackled anybody through the legs until probably ninth grade year. But ninth grade year, definitely you can't do that against grown men because there's a big difference between a 14-year-old Boy who's playing on Tuesday nights versus, you know, uh, Deuce Vaughn who's playing at Kansas State All-American Big 12 champ, this and that. So you have to adjust your pad level accordingly to who you're playing against. That's true. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, you did end up playing uh, Deuce Vaughn, right? Because he was at Rockwall. Or not Rockwall. He was at Cedar uh, Ridge. Rock, or Cedar Ridge. My bad. My bad. Because he was down there near kind of where y'all were. So hmm. I didn't even realize. This. So if you don't mind, talk about a little bit going up against a guy like Deuce Vaughn because as we all know, I always jokingly, you know, say, you know, a little bit salt being a little bit of a salty TCU fan, but I always say kind of too, you know, he's kind of like the gingerbread man, right? You know, he's as fast as you can. You can't catch him. But, I mean, you know, for you being, you know, actually going up against him in a game, you know, kind of how, how was that experience for you? We played at Kelly Reeves Stadium uh, up in uh, Round Rock, you know, so there was their home field, first game of the season. And the very first play, they ran, like, the guard pulled, read the guard, uh, fit inside the guard, tackled Deuce for, like, a two-yard gain. And that was the very first play of my varsity career. So to hear my name – uh, said on intercom and they said it correctly. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like, the next four years is gonna be fun. But then two plays later, he scored like uh, they ran a little uh, bootleg out and the black slipped out. He scored like a 70 yard touchdown. So, yeah, he's pretty good. But that was, I, I got a good hit on him in the fourth quarter, a little hit stick. But then he was also my first ever career tackle on my first play on varsity. So, it was cool seeing uh, playing and seeing him. And then he told me after the game, he was like, man, how old are you? I said, 14. So, bro. He's like, you're going to be, he said, you're going to be straight. He's like, just continue to get the path you're on. He's like, you're going to be a D1 football player one day. I mean, you know, he didn't, he spoke it into existence. I, I was about to say, I mean, I think you're doing pretty good for yourself, Tori. You know, you just committed to an SEC school. So, I mean, I think definitely those words became true from a guy like Deuce Vaughn, who's an All-American running back, a guy that really is kind of a motivator for a lot of guys that may not be the biggest, right? You know, may not mm -hmm. have the exact height, you know, you know, length, whatever, you know, all the, all those little intangibles that you, that every coach says they want, but, um, so that's cool, though. So your first ever varsity tackle came on a guy like Deuce Vaughn. That is <laughs> – that's crazy. That's crazy. So – but, um, you know, so, you know, looking now, you know, being a senior, you know, you're heading to Texas A&M, looking back now at your freshman year, you know, what are some things you take away from, your, you know, that first year of high school football that you kind of used throughout the rest of your career? I just wanted to get faster because – in the middle, like I told you, it's different from going 14 to 18 or going against 18 year olds as a 14 year old. So I was on the relay team at you know, five, eight, 180 pounds. I was the first leg on the four by one and second leg on the four by two. So in middle school, I think I'm fast. I'm on the relays. We're winning first place for district champs. Well, I get to high school and everybody's running four fives, four sixes. And I'm up there. I think I was a four nine two my freshman year, but I started, I was newcomer of the year, this and that. So I wanted to get faster. And then with quarantine, uh, it hit March 6th of 2020. 
So that was our, I know my last day was March 5th, actually, because March 6th, I was at a track meet at Waxahachie. And um, we never came back to school my freshman year. So we would get on Zoom meetings. And I would learn a defense, but I was just so obsessed with it. And I wanted to get better that I would watch the 2018 year that I was a ball boy because I wanted to watch it from a different lens. Because when you're a ball boy you're on the sideline, you just see it for as it is. Uh, you just see it like to the naked eye, you're just watching football. But when you watch it from the eye in the sky and you watch it on huddle and you're watching the film, I was like, okay, I can learn some stuff from that. And my cousin was actually a defensive tackle. He was a senior that year. And so he was teaching me stuff as well. So whenever I learned what the guys were doing in front of me and behind me, it was game over. So I would say from 10th grade on is when I really started working on speed, my strength, and definitely I got on the computer and I taught myself the defense. And I now I know like the back of my hand. Hey, I got you. I got you. I love I love your I love your work ethic, you know, first and foremost, because you know, a lot of guys, it's almost like coaches have to beg them to do it. But you know, you Torin, you know that, you know, if you want to get to that next level, you know, you've got to put in those hours outside of already all the hours you're putting in, you know, on the field. So that's hey, I love to hear that seriously. And obviously it's a big reason why AM went after you. But um, so anyway, let's kind of talk a little bit about recruitment. And you know, we don't got to talk too much about Baylor and all that, but if you don't mind, talk to us a little bit about, you know, when Baylor came into your recruitment process. Like, when did they kind of start to really push hard to get you? Um, Baylor, they made their push, I'll say, the third week of um, January 2021, uh, 2022. You know, they – um, what they do. I know SMU offered me on January 19th or the 18th, and I know Baylor offered me that Friday on the 21st. You know, but I know Coach Roberts came to school. We talked to Coach, uh, my head coach, Coach Stewart, for about an hour, hour and a half about me. And then uh, Thursday night, I feel like I, I – because it was a Friday when they offered me. But Thursday night, a lot of the coaches were texting and calling me first. Like, that never happened. Like, vastly. I was not recruited. I was not, I didn't know what it felt like to be uh, a target. I didn't know what it felt like to be recruited, get offered, none of that. So when I was like, man, these guys are texting and calling me first. They're following me first. Like, I always have to reach out. I always have to follow them first. I was like, okay, I feel like I'm going to get the offer. So they offered me the next day, you know. But uh, I had visited Baylor uh, that previous June. It was like June 2020, uh, June 2020. It was, uh, no, June 2021, June 2021. I visited uh, with Mikhail because Baylor was Mikhail's first offer. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you're probably uh, familiar with Mikhail. Oh, yeah, because you know? my, my, my school's definitely pushing for him a yeah, little bit Yeah, they're pushing hard, hard right? yeah, pushing hard, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, uh, I went up there with Mikhail in June of 2021, and that's when I met Coach Randa for the first time. Uh, actually, Coach Randa was my linebacker coach, who was also Mikhail's dad. He coached uh, Coach Pilot for a month, not a month, a semester, at University of Houston, Coach Pye's freshman year. So it was like all these ties and everything came together. And, you know, they were close to home and Coach Aranda coached my coach. So it was all types of stuff going on. That, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. And, you know, I mean, being a TCU fan, obviously I'm going to be a little bit biased. But, you know, I personally like Coach Aranda a lot because he definitely is like a down-to-earth type of coach. You know what I mean? You know, it's not going to bring a ton of energy, but definitely will be real with you. So, I mean, for you personally, you know, Torian, you know, being able to actually build a relationship and everything like that with him and the Baylor staff, you know, how did that kind of relationship go for you? I, it, uh, it went great. You know, I, that was the hardest part from decommitting from Baylor is one, cause I hate letting people down, but two, I, coach Aranda is a great man. And he, he truly loved and believed in me and I believe in him. I, I love him too, but it was just so hard. Cause you know how great of a guy coach Aranda is. Coach Aranda don't do nothing flaw. He don't hurt nobody. He don't do nothing wrong to nobody. Coach Aranda is about his business 24 seven. And that's what really hurt my heart to decommit from Baylor was just, knowing that it was going to break Coach Rand's heart, especially with him being a linebacker guru. Like, what was it, three, two days before I decommitted, he was in my house, and we were we didn't even talk too much about football or none of that or life. We we did straight linebacker drills, like talking about hand placement and footwork whenever he was in my house. We didn't we didn't necessarily sit down and talk. Or 
my home visit was unique. We were working on techniques and he was teaching me stuff and talking about the footwork. So my hat's all to Coach Renner for sure. And I know he's a great coach. He's definitely one of the best linebacker coaches in the game. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with you 100%. You know, I'll, I'll give, I'll definitely give my props to Coach Randa. I've always liked him, especially when he was, you know, at LSU during that little, you know, when they had their little prime era with Coach O and everything like that. But I mean, he's an amazing coach and he's definitely doing the right thing with Baylor. But, um, you know, obviously you can't pass up an opportunity. And, you know, definitely when AM came calling, and if you don't mind, talk just a little bit about, you know, when AM started to kind of get involved in your recruitment. Because obviously, well, I, I remember vividly because quarantine, you're not doing a lot during quarantine. So nobody had nothing to do. So I was just working out, like I said, posting my stuff and trying to get my name out there. And uh, Elite Prospects, uh, they were a ranking site. They rank, They were the only people ever to rank me over Anthony Hill. It was always – Anthony Hill was number one. I was always number two for the state of Texas. Well, this particular website put me over Anthony Hill. And I was like, wow, first of all, that's pretty neat. But then I remember following they dropped the rankings, uh, Coach Antucci followed me from A&M. And I had already been to A&M my uh, eighth grade year. It was my first ever visit. And uh, it was a seven overtime game versus LSU. Oh, and that's crazy! You were at that game. Yeah, I was at that game. I was thirteen, and I was the recruit. That was my first ever like game day visit. And um, so me and Coach Santucci have been locked in for a minute because he was a, a linebacker GA in 2018, right? So I've been around AM for a minute now, forever. And then um, he was. Uh, we I went to camp in June of 2021 as well. Camped with them, did my little visit, uh, unofficial, and then. Uh, throughout the season, they were always writing me letters. They were always texting me and staying in contact with me. So whenever I decommitted that Sunday, I could decommit at 8 o'clock. At 845, Coach Antucci was the first coach to text me. He said, can I come by to school tomorrow? I said, no doubt you can come. He, he was there at 830 the next day. We talked about an hour, hour and a half. And then uh, Coach Durkin came by about 11, 1130. We talked for about an hour. And then they offered me the next day, that Tuesday. Man, I, I can only imagine, you know, so for you, Tony, let me ask you, how did it feel to be able to, you know, like kind of what was your initial reaction to get an offer from such a huge program like A&M that's so rich and like culture and, you know, obviously environment and everything like that, you know, especially for a school that, you know, they've had some of the top recruiting classes these past few years and they want you to come to this school. You know, kind of how did you feel in that moment when you got that offer? I, I think it felt great because I understand who they have on the D-line and I understand who they have in the back end. You know, they have a lot of great D-linemen. They have a lot of great defensive backs. And I was like, so, so for me to fill in the missing piece at linebacker, and I know what I bring to the table. I was like, if I can play with these guys and I can get these guys' heads right and I can get them to buy into one goal, I was like, it can be scary. Because, like, recruiting wins championships. So if you look back four years ago, Georgia had the number one class. Look back uh, a year after that Georgia class, and uh, Alabama had the number one recruiting class. So it's only a matter of time. I truly believe it's only a matter of time until AM is back at the, uh, the top. Hey, absolutely. And, you know, it pains me to say, because I won't lie to you, half of my family, they went to UT and played football. And, uh-huh. you know, I've, I've got all those Longhorn connections. But, I mean, to say that A&M right now is probably in the best position it's ever been to make a run, add an SEC title, go to a natty. I mean, you'd be absolutely lying. And I know everybody's going to get fooled by the 5-7 and seven record. But when you watch on the tape the defense, which I think has really become a strong suit of A&M these past few years, you know, you saw the game against Alabama, right, which they probably should have won that game. But, you know, they have all these amazing games. And on offense is a work in progress. We already know that's Coach Fisher's side of the ball. But, like, defensive, I mean, they have all the potential in the world. I mean, and that's – I can only imagine being a recruit. That's going to be something exciting to want to be a part of and then also, you know, to play under the lights on Saturday night at Kyle Field in front of 100,000 fans – or 100,000 fans, mind you. I mean, that's just – that's kind of an opportunity you just can – you like, you cannot refuse to, you know, it, it, accept. It's, it's different. It's different. And a lot of coaches, when they were talking to me, trying to sell me – 
Like, you don't have to talk to me about last year. Like, I, I get it. For one, the SEC is a grown man's league. Like, if you want to play, if you feel like you're the best and you want a U.S. part to be the best, you're going to go to the SEC, right? And two, generally, when you have a younger team, you're probably not going to be as successful. So that's why in 2019, the Timber Wildcats, I think maybe seven or eight of, the, of, of our starters were either me and Mikhail were two freshman starting, right? So that's already two out of the 11. And the rest were full of sophomores and then and juniors who had never played. This is their first year on varsity. So a lot of new faces on on uh, on that defense side of the ball in 2019. So when you play in the SEC with a lo- whole bunch of 18-year-olds, it's ridiculous. And and that's why I wasn't – I'm not surprised. I'm not hung up on that because I understand that it's a grown man's league. So, uh, of course, a 22-year-old in the SEC is probably going to beat up on an 18-year-old in the SEC. It doesn't matter how highly touted you are, how highly recruited you are, how many stars you have. It's still a grown man's game at the end of the day. And there's just some stuff that you can't replicate. You can't replicate – the strength and the speed that is going out in practice. So that's why you get in the game. It's going to be, of course, it's going to be faster. Hey, absolutely. And I mean, you know, especially when you got a, a um, you know, 25 year old quarterback, you know, just no, no shots at Stetson Bennett, yeah. but, <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm telling you, it's a, it's a grown, it's a grown man league. Like it, the older kids are obviously going to be up on the younger kids. It, like, it's just common nature. No, absolutely. And I think, too, it's just it's it's kind of like you said, it's kind of just, a, you know, almost waiting at this point for, you know, when all these guys develop. I mean, when you look at the offense side of football, you know, for your squad at A&M, you got Evan Stewart, who showed so much flash during last year. I mean, the Alabama game, he balled out. I'm trying to think of a few other games he balled out. I know that 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 catch is unbelievable. And you've got Connor Wigman at quarterback. I mean, A&M's got the pieces. They just need to properly be developed. And, you know, obviously the 2023 class with all these guys you're bringing in, you got Ruben Owens to secure the running back room. I mean, this class might be the one that really does change the table for A&M and gets them up to that point. So it's going to be super exciting to see. But, you know, Torian, talking a little bit more about you because, you know, I want to learn a little bit more about you and kind of get your insight on some things. So, you know, for you, Torian, when did you realize, like, a&M was a school that you wanted to go to. Like, um, you know, my commitment or my uh, recruitment's done with, A&M's the school I'm going to. Like, when was kind of that moment for you? Growing up, I always liked A&M. They were never my favorite school, but I liked A&M. I liked them a lot. I understood that the atmosphere they have and the game day environment they have is different, flat out different. But I'd probably say Friday night, they're showing me a presentation and they're just showing us football highlights. And I was like, wow. I was like, that's different. Like, it's 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 one thing to see it on on – in person, but I'm, I was younger. I was 13 at the time. I didn't have an offer. But when you have the offer, you're like, well, I have the opportunity to play here. Like, I can have the opportunity to play with these type of people, work out in these facilities. Like, they do stuff different there. And I was like, man, this is different. But I knew for sure on Sunday after talking with the coach and talking with Coach Fisher, I was like, this is a spot for me. Hey, I got you. Absolutely. And, you know, you just talked a little bit about Coach Fisher. So let me ask you, too, you know, how has your relationship been with Coach Fisher and, you know, the entire A&M stuff? That's pretty good. I like Coach Fisher a lot. We – we're both similar because we like to talk a lot. I, I know I, I read a comment uh, last night. It's like, man, this guy probably matches Jimbo uh, in words per minute because uh, I'm another person that he talks fast as well, and I talk <laughs> fast as well too. So I was like, man, we get along perfectly. Like we were in there talking football. I'm saying a question, bang, right, answer right off the bat. He asked me a question, bang, answer right off the bat. So I, I like we have a good little connection going for sure. Hey, I got you. I got you. Well, Torian, if you like to talk a lot, I like to talk a lot. We might have to make our own little show, man, because, you know, That's I talk. That's what I'm saying. Let's go. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Let's go. Y- y'all heard it here first, man. Y'all heard it here first. Me and Torian got our own show coming up here soon. But um, so anyway, you know, Torian, you know, now that you already, you know, you made your commitment, you know, you're going to A&M. I mean, just how are you kind of feeling? You know, what was like, kind of your family's reaction when you told them that, you know, you were going to be end up going to College Station for college? Personally, for me, it's just a, a big weight lifted off my shoulder, like, 
the weight that I had in ninth grade when I was 14 year old going against these grown men had it was not comparable to the weight I've had on my shoulders these past couple weeks since I decommitted. You know, I just got a lot of uh, people calling and texting me. You know, I couldn't really work out in peace because I was always having to think about how am I going to answer this coach because I'll see the messages, but how am I going to answer? So my mind was in the right spot when I was working out, you know, but today. Finally, everything, I shut the recruitment down, signed, all that. I had the best. I, work, I was worked out for three hours straight, and I didn't think about leaving or nothing. I, I left because I had to, you know. So yeah. I, I, felt, I had a great workout today. But my family, is, of course, is glad that, you know, I'm still staying close to home. It's, it's not too far, but it's not too close anyway, either way. Like, it's not a weekly thing that I can go down there. But still, it's still close enough to where they can come see me whenever, you know. So I, I know they're glad, and I know they support my decision, and they were happy, and they, and they told me that I earned it for sure. Hey, I love to hear that, man. And definitely all the work you've put in, I mean, 100% you deserve to get up to this point. And, you know, also too, not to kind of backtrack, but you also talked about your relationship with uh, Mikhail Harrison Pilot, who's one of the top wide receivers in the class of 2023 and also is going to end up being a Temple great. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit about your relationship with Mikhail, kind of how he's helped you better your game a little bit too. Man, Mikhail, my day one, man. I remember um, Mikhail moved down in my neighborhood in fourth grade, you know, because he, he, Mikhail was born at Lufkin. So uh, he's born in East Texas, but his dad got a job at Temple. And so the first time we met Mikhail, uh, I was outside playing basketball at my friend Dexter's house. And Dexter introduced us to him, uh, to, to Mikhail. He, we, he introduced each other. And, um, and ever since then, we, we just set it off. We had a lot of similar interests. We thought alike. Uh, we, uh, we, liked, we had the, the same interest in sports, the same passion for sports. You know, and that's where we really clicked. And then from then on out, we were always together. We went to the same school. We were always uh, hanging out after school, always playing basketball always at each other's house, you know, and then uh, our families are very close as well. Over the years, we've gotten closer. We, we Like I said, we spend a lot of time together, and I, I probably spent majority of my summers at McHale's or with McHale somewhere, you know, so I know I couldn't have done it without McHale and his family for sure because I, I know uh, the week after my junior year ended, I was at his house for like a week and a half straight, and they never asked me when was I going home. We were just taking all these visits. We are going to all these colleges until it was the first month that – you know, that recruiting opened back up uh, due to uh, COVID. So, like, me, I was going uh, to these colleges with Mikhail everywhere, and not once they're like, are you going to go home? None of that. They're always like, you want to go here? I was like, yeah. Like, if you're willing to take me and you and you allow me to ride with y'all, then, of course, I want to go. Like, that's some stuff that you can't match. And to do it with my best friend, somebody that I saw grown and, and just flourish, I came into it with, uh, together. I couldn't be more proud of it, and I, I can't wait to see where he goes. Hey, me either, man. Because, I, I love Mikhail. Oh, my bad. But, no, I'm sorry, because I truly don't know. I did know. But, you know, Mikhail, he can't make his mind of, like, he got his first offer back in December of 2020, and we're, you know, nearing the day where he has to pick it, January 7th. But I know whatever he does, he's going to make the right decision for himself, and I'm going to support him for sure. Hey, absolutely, man. He's he, he's got all the potential in the world. And like you talked about, I mean, that this kid's going to ball out wherever he goes. You know, obviously, you're going to do the same thing at A&M. So it's exciting to see Temple continue to produce more talent because TC, I mean, hey, TC, we got two Temple cats right now with Jared and um with with QJ right now. They're balling out. So hopefully, we we end up seeing another one, another, another dreadhead end up here in Fort Worth. But, um, <laughs> Have another dreadhead there in Fort Worth. <laughs> Might as yeah. well. Hey, 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 I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, nothing against AM, but you know, definitely we could use yeah, another guy like him. Sure. But, but not Torian, man, you're an absolute fantastic kid. I cannot wait to watch you in College Station. And you just have a few more questions for you before we start to wrap things up. But um, the first one I want to ask you is, is it's a football-related one, but um, kind of just to get a grasp on, you know, your play style, right, kind of player you would resemble. So whether it's past, present, college football or NFL, you know, what player's play style do you feel like you truly resemble the most and why? I would probably say uh, N'Kobe Dean. You know, Dakobe Dean, not the biggest, not the strongest, not the fastest, but the dude is smart. 
The dude is freaking smart. He graduated from Georgia with an engineering degree. How many, for one, how many football players do you know major in engineering? And two, how many football players do you know that won the buckets, played on uh, the number one team in the country, won national championship, and then graduated with an engineering degree? And so that's why I try to replicate, uh, I try to replicate myself to him because I, I, I take pride in my academics. I, I, I care about my school. I care about what degree I'm going to get, you know. And so to see somebody who's un, uh, undersized, quote-unquote undersized, not fast, you know, battled through injuries, but still won the bucket, still won national championship, still got an engineering degree. Like that's what I aspire to be. That's what I aspire to do because I know that he earned it for sure. Hey, that's definitely a linebacker you want to replicate your game after. And it was kind of funny. I think y'all both are exactly six foot, like no joke. Both are exactly six foot. Nakobe, you know, was a huge factor in why Georgia won that uh, national championship last year. It sucks how he didn't get picked in the first round, which still kind of baffles me. Yeah, but it, I think I, he didn't perform, he didn't uh, do his combine workout because I know he was better on that. I think that uh, some something in his arm. Yeah, but, you know, we, we but we understand we understand what uh, he plays real football. I'm sure he wanted to go the first round, but. It's the same thing with me. Like, do, would I want to play an All-American game? Yes. Would I want to be a four or five star? Yes. But I understand that I'm just a football player. I play real football. I don't get caught up in the lights. I don't play get caught up in the glitz and glimmer. I care about being the best football player I can be. And if that means that I don't have to play in an All-American game where I stay at a three-star, then so be it. Because I know at the end of the day that I, I love football for what it truly uh, is. Hey, and you know what's funny is when you look at a lot of the NFL greats right now, they were they were two stars, one stars, or not even ranked. And I and I try to tell every kid like a lot of times why I like doing these you know interviews with guys that are three stars or under because stars really do not judge you as a player. That's just a ranking, just to classify you and everything like that. Because I would rather have one of the hard most hardworking three stars than a five star that feels like they're entitled to you know everything, right? And again, no definitely definitely torn or touring like you have. I mean your mindset and just the leadership that I feel like you're going to be able to bring, especially the the linebacker position, is something I don't think any nil deal could really pay for. So definitely, I think a And M got an absolute just freaking deal in you. So um, but um, next, next question I want to ask you, and this is the most important one, and I swear to God, do not mess this one up. So, so pregame, right? You got your headphones on, AirPods in, or if your music taste is not garbage, you even got the team aux. What is your go-to pregame hype song and why? Uh, I would probably say I got a couple of them. Let me go look real quick. But I know okay. for sure off the top of my head, uh, New Year, New Year by Splurge. I like the beat. I like because Splurge is from Orenton, so not too far from Temple, about two and a half, two hours. You know, so I, I like to support people from Texas. Uh, so I would probably say New Year by Splurge. Uh, set off by Boosie because that's a classic. You know, that's always going to – that gets everybody going no matter what. Oh, yeah, uh, no, 100%. Yeah, I, I would say uh, Hadouken by Chief Keith. Like, those three songs just made me want to go kill somebody. Hey, that's so, – hey, that, hey, I won't lie, that's fire, that's fire. I'm glad that you at least spiced it up a little bit because, I mean, ain't nothing wrong with Youngboy because I would be lying uh, if I said I don't have him 24-7, you know, in my playlist. But, hey, I love the fact you added a little bit of Chief Keef and Boosie. Yeah, uh-huh. It's everywhere. Like, my music taste is everywhere. Hey, no, that, that's absolutely fire. Now, let me now, let me put you on somebody. I'm Okay, do you listen to Lil Double O by any chance? Yeah, I listen to Lil Double O. Hey, get into him, dude. I'm telling you, if you really, if you really want to get turned up, now I won't lie, my sock, my sock boys really got me into him. So definitely yeah, no, start listening to more little double O. I was trying to get a little double O song on my commitment edit, but uh, you know the songs that I wanted, they ain't have them clean version. 
they ain't have a clean version of it. Oh, so yeah, I, I forgot you do got to have a clean. I had to settle. I had to settle, man. Oh, yeah, man. I was trying to get a little double O song for my community <laughs> video. Hey, no, nah, you good. I, you know, you got to be clean. It's, it's kind of hard sometimes. Yeah, it's hard. I, it's hard. I, I, definitely, I definitely cuss a little bit too much, but when I, when I do these interviews, I try and like just episodes in general, I try to at least stay as clean as I possibly can. So sometimes mm-hmm. I sound a little bit awkward trying to say just certain things. Yeah, so, no doubt. We all but, struggle with it. Hey, no kidding, no kidding. But Torian, man, seriously, I'm absolutely thrilled to watch you play at AM. You got a bright future ahead of you. Definitely a guy that I expect to see on Sundays. And, you know, just continue to do your thing, continue to keep your head level and to keep grinding because, man, no matter if you're a three star or a 16 star, you're absolutely going to ball out wherever. And, you know, for everybody that's listening to today's episode, make sure to go show my guy Torian some love. Make sure to go congratulate him on committing to AM. I'm going to leave all of his socials, links, everything like that. It's going to be down below in the description of today's episode. Torian, before we head out, is there anything you want to say, my guy? Giggle, let's go to work. Hey, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Torian, I appreciate you, man, and I look forward to seeing you play down there in College Station. No doubt I appreciate you.